Ephesians chapter 3. I would like to use as a theme uh, for this evening's lesson as uh, the eternal purpose of God, or if you want to look at it from another point of view, the, the church, the church, because that is the eternal purpose of God, is the church, or the one body. And our lesson is going to be focused upon that the teachings in the Old Testament and in the New is teaching uh, about the one body, the church, the purpose of God, and that this is Paul's great message to uh, the Gentile city of Ephesus that he had worked with for two years and three months at one time. And he's in prison now, and he's explaining to them the, the one body. And he had a lot of difficulty with Jews everywhere he went, and he had to always link it with the teachings of the Old Testament because the eternal purpose of, of God was, was really in the Old Testament, in planning. And uh, I want you to read with me the third chapter. And I want you to understand that this is the teaching, if we're sharing with people the what to do to be saved and what to do to be a member of the body of Christ, what to do to be a member of the church, and uh, what to do to live eternally with God, uh, this, is, this is the message. And he is explaining to them uh, this, and he says, let's just start with chapter 3 at the beginning. For this cause I, Paul, the prisoner of Jesus Christ, were you Gentiles. If ye have heard of the dispensation of the grace which is given me to you, word, how that by revelation he made known unto me the mystery, as I wrote afore in few words, whereby when ye read, ye may understand my knowledge in the mystery of Christ. which in other ages was not made known unto the sons of men, as it is now revealed unto his holy apostles and prophets by the Spirit. Now remember, he addressed this, he started out with Gentiles. And, and, and men, he's talking about the mystery of Christ to save people, to save all people, is tied up in this great message. And that it wasn't made known before, but he has made it known, and that they could understand it when they read it. Look at the sixth verse. That the Gentiles should be fellow heirs, and of the same body. Now, in order to, to get that in your mind, I want you just to, in your Bible, in your New Testament, I want you just to glance back. This is a letter rolled up. It's written and it's in a row, in original form. And just unroll it to, to the first chapter and, and the 20th verse. Now, he's already said this, and he says, This is what he worked in Christ when he raised him from the dead and set him at his own right hand in the heavenly places. 
for above all principalities and powers and might and dominions and every name in his name, not only in this world, but also in that which is to come. Now, he's exalting Christ and showing that Christ is in control and that he's the one that they're to worship. And if for all things, I want you to look at the 22nd verse especially, connected with that 6th verse, and have put all things under his feet and gave him to be head over all things to the church. Now, he writes in that sixth verse to the Gentiles that they should be fellow heirs of the same church. Because look at that uh, 22nd verse. He said, it made, he gave him to be the head over all things to the church, which is his body. So he's already said that in the first and second chapters a number of times. In the second chapter, he said, uh, he's, uh, uh, look at the 13th and 14th verse, but now in Christ Jesus, ye who sometimes were far off are made nigh by the blood of Christ. For he is our peace, who hath both made, uh, hath made both one, and hath broken down the middle wall of partition between us, abolished in in his flesh the enmity, even the law of commandments, contained in ordinances, for to make in himself of twain one new man, so making peace, that he might reconcile, still the Gentiles under consideration, that he might reconcile both unto God in one church. In one church. Now, you say, well, how do you get that? Well, look back at the 22nd and 23rd verses of the first chapter. He is the head of the church, which is his body. See? So it's his body, and he said, both Jews and Gentiles in one church. In one church, that's his teaching. He's stressing that. Now, the 23rd verse of the first chapter, look at that. Which, he, which is his body, the church is his body, there's nobody outside of his body. There's not a part of Christ outside of his body. Nobody, if the church is the saved and the church is the, is the ones that that's, uh, really he has come to die for, then there's not anybody outside of the body that's going to be saved by the blood of Christ. See, it's the fullness of Christ. The fullness of him that filleth all in all. Now, look back at the sixth verse of the third chapter, that the Gentiles must be fellow heirs and of the same body and partakers of the promise in Christ and how do you do that? It's by the gospel. Well, what is the gospel? Well, when he wrote to Romans, he said, I'm not ashamed of the gospel. For it's the power of God to salvation. To everyone that believeth, to the Jew first, also to the Greek. For therein is revealed the righteousness of God from faith unto faith. That's the faith of the person who preached it and teaches it, to the faith of the person who accepts it. And he receives Christ. Look at number seven. Wherefore, I was made a minister according to the gift of the grace of God, given unto me by the effectual working of his power. Unto me, and less than the least of all saints, is this grace given that I should preach among the Gentiles the unsearchable riches of Christ. Now, the unsearchable riches of Christ are preached, and it's preached to, to us. We're Gentiles, and, and, and we have the key here. And look at number nine. Number nine is to make all men see. To make all men see. What is the fellowship of the mystery? Now, what is the mystery? Well, the mystery has been made known. It's no longer a mystery. He said, when you read, you'll understand. But that's our job, is to make known the mystery of Christ. And the mystery is that he existed, pre-existed, that he was, uh, uh, he was God, 
But he didn't have flesh when he when he created the earth, when he created man, and that God uh, caused him to come into this family by a miracle, and was born of a virgin, and in order that he might be the sacrifice for all humanity. Now that gets into the fight between the devil and God. A lot of things we don't know. We just know that the devil got man to fall. And in order to get us back to God, we're, we're made like God, and we have a part of God's image, and it's going to last forever, and God didn't want us to be uh, with the devil forever. And he knows he's going to burn him, and he's going to put him away, but he didn't want his creation to do that. So that's the reason he sent his son. And look at number nine. It's to make all men see what is the fellowship of the mystery, which from the beginning of the world. Now, this is the beginning of the world, and... And that's the beginning of creation, which from the beginning of the world hath been hid in God, who created all things by Jesus Christ. Now, he knew when he created the earth and when he created man to live on the earth, and he had a plan that he would redeem man, and man could be a relationship with him and could live forever and ever, and could procreate, and have bring beings into existence that could elevate themselves to the nature of God. That was his plan. That was his plan. And the Garden of Eden was as near the nature of what heaven would be as it could be, and us be in the flesh. We were in the flesh, and we were in the Garden of Eden, and the counterpart of the Garden of Eden is in Revelation, the last chapter, where it's, uh, it's heaven, and it's the tree of life. And we, we come back, and uh, he created all things. This is the plan, and, and this is, this is uh, dealing with the thing. Where did we come from? What's our purpose here, and where are we going to? Well, the Bible has it. Look at number 10. To the intent that now unto the principalities and powers in heavenly places might be made might be known by the church. Our great responsibility is to tell people about the one church and one body that he's mentioned in our time. And it's the fullness of Christ. There's no part of Christ outside the one body. Paul Paul believed in one body. He believed in one church. And he believed that church had its plan before there was any such thing as a denominational church or a man's bringing into existence of what they think churches are all about. And this had its beginning in the mind of God. And look at that 10th verse again. To the intent that now, now, under the principalities and powers in heavenly places might be known by the church and the church has been defined as being the one body in the fullness of Christ. So it's our obligation to, to tell people, to tell people that the wisdom of God is, is what we have to offer. And the wisdom of God is, is that we should share it with everybody that they can become a God made in the image of Christ. We become Christ-like. The image of Christ is, is placed in every Christian who believes and obeys the truth. And that's the reason we can call them the body of Christ. The body of Christ. 
And it's really nonsensical to think about denominationalism or to think about being a member of the church of your choice when you really get the uh, vision of what's talked about here as the church. There's no such thing as the division and denominationalism, even though it is, we, we're not denying what Riyadh is, but the church that you're talking about here is the body of Christ, made up of people who are saved by the blood of Christ. And this is according to the, look at that 11th verse, to the eternal purpose which he purposed in Christ Jesus our Lord, in whom we have boldness and access with confidence by the faith of him. Wherefore, I desire that you faint not at my tribulation for you, which is, is in your glory. Now, I want you to keep looking at that 14th verse. He, he ends in a prayer here, and he says, For this cause I bow my knees unto the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Now, for what cause? It's to try to convince these Gentiles that a long time before they were made a part of the body of Christ, that God had planned and that he had planned it before to bring all people into Christ and make one big family. And this is what he's talking about. He says, uh, for this very cause that everybody can be one body in Christ, I bow my knees unto the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Now, he is in prison. He's writing this epistle to them. He has worked with them over there uh, for two years and three months at one time. And he was mistreated, but he, his, his, uh, his uh, writings, when it's in the book of Acts, and Luke writes, that he worked night and day with tears, and that he didn't shun to deliver to them the whole counsel of God. And he commended them when he left there. He said, I commend you to the grace of God, and to, uh, to, to the grace of God. And he said, uh, I want you to go be overseers of this, of this congregation. And I want you to look at that 15th verse. He said, of whom the whole family in heaven and earth is named. When we're a member of the body of Christ, we're a member of the, the family of God in heaven and on earth. Now, that means that the people that are here and the people who died in Christ are all one family. And if you don't live with that dimension, uh, you're missing something because that's stimulating. Uh, that's the reason why uh, 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 Luke was allowed to put it in the seventh chapter of the book of Acts when Stephen died. When Stephen died, Jesus, uh, Luke just just uh, pulled back the curtain of the unseen. And uh, here's Jesus who has died, been raised from the dead, and is now preaching, and he's a king of the kings and lord of lords, and he's the head of the church. And Luke would just said, well, this is what happened to this uh, Christian who died. He's the first martyr. And he just looks up and he says, Lord Jesus, receive my spirit and lay not this sin of their charge. Same attitude Jesus had. There's a family in heaven and on earth. And uh, uh, he, he lets us know that it's not all of life to live, not all of death to die. And he shows us in that 16th verse the kind of power we have to tap into to help us to share this with people. He's praying. Uh, look at that 16th verse, he said. Uh, uh, he says there's power to pull upon when you're uh, sharing the gospel with people. And I'm praying that you'll have that. said that, that, 
that he would grant you according to the riches of his glory to be strengthened with might by his spirit in the inner man. That's when you're on the, uh, when you're on the battlefront fighting and, and you're, you may sort of lose sight of in the suffering and what you're doing, but he's saying, this is what you need to do. You need to get your sight set that you're a member of the whole family and heaven and earth, and that while you're here in the flesh, look at that next verse. There's another that. That Christ may dwell in your hearts. How? By your believing that he's there. Well, he's at the right hand of God, according to that scene that you have in, in Acts. Yes, but he's in your heart. How is he in your heart? I say. How do you know he's there? Because you believe in him. You can't please God unless you have faith. He that cometh to God must believe that he is and that he is the Lord that you seek him. Without faith, it's impossible to please God. And that's the, that is the body that's working. Look at the next that in the same 17th verse. That ye being rooted and grounded in love. Well, I'm just about fed up. I just I don't know whether it pays off or not. I don't know whether I ought to endure this or not. I, I don't know. I haven't. He hadn't spoken to me. He hasn't told me. He he doesn't come. Why didn't he give me a revelation? Why don't something? Why didn't things work out like I think they ought to work out? Well, I don't know. But he's saying here, my prayer is that you just got to saturate yourself with love. You know what love does? It suffers long. You know what love does? It's kind. You know what love does? It doesn't puff itself up. You know what love does? It doesn't behave itself in singular. You know what love does? It just uh, takes out account of evil. But it just rejoices in, in the truth. And it just uh, believes all things. It does all things. It endures all things. It just never fails. It just keeps on. It just keeps on. And that 11th verse, that we are the church of our Lord, and we're in action, and we're preaching the gospel, the death, burial, and resurrection of Christ, we, it's just a lot of time we don't comprehend, but his prayer was that we would comprehend. That you may be able to comprehend. How many? Every one of us. Not only us, but all the saints everywhere. Saints is nothing but all the holy people. All the holy people are the people who believe in the blood of Jesus Christ has cleansed them and that they have access, they are forgiven because of the sacrifice that Christ laid, and they came to him in obedience. Obedience by faith, by denying ourselves, by taking a part of his death, by being baptized into him, by being raised and walking with him. And he says there's a lot of things to gain. And I'm going to pray for you that you'll be able to comprehend what is the breadth and what is the length and what is the depth? And what is the height? What a prayer. Those four dimensions describes a person who understands what God can do through him and in him. And the 19th verse talks about, he said, I want you to know, well, I thought you knew them. You preached to them over there for two years and three months. Now you're talking about that they would know the love of Christ. What are you talking about, Paul? I'm just talking about this my prayer that people will be, that word to know is to be aware of, is to continue to trust in, is to continue to make it the center and the circumference of everything that holds on to Christ, his existence. 
his power, his kingship. Now, you can't know the love of Christ if you don't let Christ talk to you. And the way the word says that Christ talks with us is in Hebrews 1 and verse 1 says, God who had sundry time and divers manner spake of the fathers by the prophets out the end of these days spoken to us by his son, through whom all he made the worlds, he upholds all things by the word of his power. And when he sat down, first there sins, he sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Now consider him, he says. And all the way through, he says, consider him. Now, he speaks to us today through his son. And you know, it's just an amazing thing. The greatest, I guess, the, uh, the four greatest miracles that it was ever happened is Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. The life of Christ. The life of Christ in four dimensions. And unless we read that, unless we get into that, unless we understand and we know what Christ did, and, and if you don't know the love of Christ, it's because you don't know and don't read him and don't understand. The more you read about Christ and the compassion he had for lost humanity, you know everywhere he went and everything he did, was just, he, was just always, he was just always busy just looking for the underdog. He was just looking for the suffering. He was just looking for that person who needed his help. And while he was doing that, the, the, the religious people just criticized him and just, just, just thought it was awful. They didn't leave him alone. They, they wanted to kill him because he was doing that. And he was, just, he was just busy. And he just loved man so much that he was so tired, I know, at times. And he, he just kept... Uh, now, the, the 19th verse says that we ought to... His prayer was that we would know the love of Christ which passes knowledge. I don't know exactly what that phrase means. I can study it. You can read it. You can read it with commentaries. You can read it in the original language. But you know, it's just absolutely beyond us to explain it in our knowledge of the love of Christ. You say, well, I ought to know. Well, yeah, you, you look at Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Look at all that he did. Look at how, how he loved man and how he, he'd take little children up and how he had loved them, and how he taught, uh, how much care and tenderness that he had toward man, how he favored the lady with only one daughter and only one son, and how that he favored the lady that had been sick for 12 years and one the 38 years that he had been there, and, and he just did all that, and the blind man that had been from his mother's womb, and he just did all of that to show. And he said, well, the reason, reason all this is done is to show you who I am and how, what my love is, my concern. Now, when you read that and read all of those things and let it be saturated, it saturates your mind. Here he says it passes knowledge. Well, what do you mean it passes knowledge? I think one of the things in John's writing, he said, if, if, if all the books were, if we write the books that Jesus had, had all the works, he said, these signs were done that you might believe, and that believing you might have life through his name. But he said, many other things that Jesus in the presence of his disciples was not written in this book. And I suppose if the, everything was written that he had done, that uh, the world couldn't hold it. Now, I know that's a hyperbole, and it's an exaggerated expression to show how much Jesus has done. If he's always existed, and he's always helped, and he may have many worlds, and he may have many creatures, and I know the angels, we don't know about them, but we know that they exist. There's a lot of things that he hasn't told us about. In Deuteronomy 29, 29 says, Things that revealed belong to us to our children forever. Things not revealed belong to God. 
So when you think about the love of Christ that passes knowledge, it just means that we can't know a lot of things that describes his love. If we know, what we know, we understand how much he loves us. What a wonderful thing it is. I don't know, have you ever, I know that we all have people we have that we love and we're close to, and you get hurt by our misinterpretation of their actions. It just breaks your heart. It just unnerves you. And yet, when you can rebuild that and you can attach back to the person who loves you, uh, it, it mends your soul, your broken spirit. And here is a, it's a noble love of Christ which passes all understanding. And the reason he wants us to do that, I want you, I want you to think about that last part of that verse, is that you might be filled with all the fullness of God. Now, I know, as I said this morning, those people that criticized Jesus, those parables, didn't understand God. And Jesus took his time and tried to tell them how the Father believed, you know, and how he reacted. He says, well, the Father, he rejoices when the sinner repents. Every one of these parables is, is, is that note that he rejoices. He wants he wants the sinner back with him. He wants the sinner. And he's not going to be overwhelmed with pointing at the sin and keeping little black book and said, Oh, honey, I can get this or that or that. Oh, yeah, I see that. No. That's punitive. He came to forgive us and to have a relationship with us. And that's what he wants. And when we think about it, it's wonderful to think about the love of God and the love of Christ in the 19th verse. He says, the reason why you want to think about that, that you might be filled with the fullness of God. Now, I don't know how much time you spent on thinking about whether you're filled with God or Christ. In this same verse, it said that you might, that Christ may dwell in your hearts. It talks about the Spirit, uh, of the inner man in the 16th verse. Now that's in the context. And now the fullness of God, that has to refer to the Father, has to refer to the Son, has to refer to the Holy Spirit. And we can be filled with that. We've got to believe in it, and we've got to understand that it's, it's really the purpose of God to bring all people together in one body. And that one body is putting him on and becoming a member of his church. Now I want you to look at that in closing. I want you to look at that 20th and 21st verse. Jesus, I mean, uh, Paul has been discussing the eternal purpose of God to save Gentiles along with the Jews. He's told them about how the wall's been torn down, the blood of Christ had brought them together, put them in one body, in one church, and that it's the fullness of God. There's not any part of Christ or God outside of that. And now he says, I want to commend you now unto him who is able to do exceeding abundantly the possibilities of what God can do through us if we have faith in him. I don't know, and I'm not doing this to criticize us as a church or to criticize our faith. I'm doing it to challenge us. I don't know that we claim that faith like we should. I don't know that 
that I'm able to be built up by you and, and me as we study together that, that to say, you know what we're able to do? Now, when we're not claiming that, we're saying, tell you what, how bad it is. Boy, it's bad. All the world's going to hell. Just look how bad this thing is. It is bad. We're in, we're in the devil's workshop. But when we claim God and we claim the fullness of Christ, he is able to do exceeding abundantly above all that we ask or think. I'll tell you what our problem is, is that we won't take time to think or to ask God to do great things among us. How many times have you asked God, fill my heart, fill my life, we sing the song, I am thine, O Lord. I've heard thy voice. Yeah. And that's wonderful. There are depths of love and heights of joy that I may not reach until... Well, that's wonderful. And we need to find... But we can reach it here. Look at this. He said, You are able to do exceeding about all that we ask or think according to the power that worketh in us. Now, our lack of faith will not ask God to work things in our life that we can touch people's lives that need to be saved. We need to understand that God loves people that are lost and people that are without Christ. And he can touch them through our lives if we have this kind of faith. <clears throat> he turned around and said, Unto him be the glory in the church. How many? He just got through saying there's one. He's got through saying it's the body of Christ. He just got through saying it's the fullness of Christ, of God. He's got through saying it's the eternal purpose of God. It's had its existence in the mind of God before the world began. And it's in Christ. It's it's in it's it's spiritual, it's intangible. And that twenty first verse said by Jesus Christ, and we do it by his strength throughout all ages, world without end. Amen. There are many places that I could turn to 1 Corinthians 12th chapter and 13th verse, and he, this same writer says, we're one, by one spirit, we're all baptized in one body. I could turn to Galatians 3, 26, 27, Paul pleaded and said, We're all children of God by faith in Christ Jesus. Just many of us have been baptized, Christ put on Christ. You put on Christ, and if Christ is the body, then that's where you met him, and that's where you became a member of that body. And you could turn to Jesus, uh, to Nicodemus, when he said, Unless you were born of the water and the spirit, you came into the kingdom of heaven. And the kingdom of heaven and the church is one and the same. When he said he had built it, he said, I'll give you the keys to the kingdom. So he uses it interchangeably. And you're born of the water and you're born of the Spirit. I could turn to Mark 16, 15, 16, and he just simplified it and said, he believes and is baptized to be saved. It, it, it indicates the same thing, John 3, 3 and 3 and 5, and Galatians 3, 26, 27. That which is equal to each other, equal to the same thing. It's too easy to, to not get. So we need to just simplify the thing and, and uh, let people know that they shall all be taught of God. They, you don't just accidentally become a member of the body of Christ. 
would just say, yeah, I believe in Jesus Christ. And because I believed when I was three years old, when I, I had one lady tell me, she said, I said, well, have you ever been taught and baptized? She said, oh, I received Christ when I was three years old. That's just this last week. She lives right here in the apartment, right close. She's having a lot of problems. Now, I didn't jump down her throat. I said, uh, we talk more. And I said, they shall all be taught about Yeah, I was, I was there one Sunday morning, and I heard you say that, and I'm thankful. And she, she elucidated and said, yeah, you're right. So she turned around and changed, but, but people are taught. It's a teaching thing. You don't accidentally become a member. Be saved. It, it, it's where you teach. It's to be taught. The mystery's not made known. If you're not a member of the body of Christ, you can become a member tonight and claim his power. And we need to claim his great work in us as the body of Christ that we may touch lives as we stand together and sing.